what are we all trying to do? Everyone has one of those deep whys. You know, what's my personal why? And I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek. He's changed my life. But it's very simple for us. If we're fans first and everything, our goal is just to make people happy. And if we're all making people happy, we will be more successful, more productive, and it'll be a better world. It's as simple as that. So we have to share how we're making people happy so more people can make more people happy. Yeah, it's a, it's a contagious effort, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's contagious caring. Yeah. You know, it, it's contagious caring. It creates a ripple effect. All of us need to care more. And you can talk about caring till you're blue in the face, but how do you show it? You know, I think it's really easy when our people know how much we care about them and we love them, that we can challenge them to be better. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Welcome to the show. I'm Dan. I'm your host, and I am so excited to have you on board today because today's storyteller is absolutely energetic, is absolutely uh, powerful, insightful. He will probably make you cry. Uh, so listen all the way to the end. Uh, I, I'm, I, just, I can't tell you how excited I am. Uh, if you've seen the title, you know who it is, but I'm going to tell you real quick. Uh, before we get started, a quick reminder, go to the website, thestorytellersnetwork.com for all the information. The show notes for this episode have links in it. Uh, you can buy his book. You can check them out. You can go buy tickets to the baseball game. That gives you a, a clue. Uh, so thestorytellersnetwork.com for all those resources. Now, today's guest is Jesse Cole. Jesse is the founder of Fans First Entertainment and the owner of the summer league baseball team, the Savannah Bananas, but it's so much more than that. Uh, now, the Bananas currently have sold out every game for several years uh, and have a waiting list in the thousands for tickets. It's absolutely incredible. This what, what would be considered the lowest tier of baseball just after college is, is absolutely on fire, and it's because of Jesse and the entire team telling stories. He's a, a, an in-demand speaker. He released his first book, Find Your Yellow Tux, How to Be Successful by Standing Out, back in January of 18. He's been featured on MSNBC and Forbes. He's a keynote speaker all over the country, and he promotes his motto, if it's normal, do the exact opposite. So with that said, the man in the yellow tux joins me today, so let's get to Jesse's story. So Jesse, welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking time to uh, bring your story to listeners, man. You know, I'm pumped to be with you today, my man. So you're always pumped. That's the thing I love, dude. I mean, and there are times when you're authentic and you're like, okay, it's a little more calm, but man, you've got an energy about you that I just, I admire. So, and obviously the energy plays into one of your titles that you wear is showman. Um, but do you also consider yourself a storyteller? Yeah, and actually more of a story maker. And that's part of everything we do with our team here, the Savannah Bananas. It's all about creating experiences. But, you know, you mentioned the energy. You know, it's people would say, oh, is that your superpower? And the reality, Dan, it's not. I just do things that give me energy. If, if during a day you're doing things that take the energy out of you, of course you're not going to be energetic. But I love sharing stories. I love trying to inspire people. I love having fun. So, you know, that's part of, of what I do. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's about how do you create those stories? How do you create those moments that can really, uh, you know, make people feel special? And that's really the business that we're all in. It's, it's how do you make people feel? 
And so that's what we're thinking about every day is how do we make people feel special and unique and have fun? Which there's a million ways to go. So I'm going to try and keep this like at least a little bit focused because like, because you say the energy that how you make people feel. One of the things I go back to is a, a video I saw recently where your, your, instead of an autoresponder of, Hey, you have your tickets. Congratulations. We'll see you at the ballpark. Your team, you created a video that man, just like your tickets have been made. The elves have made them. We hold them up on a, on a pedestal and the, the Lion King music plays. Like you guys make people feel like part of the team. And that's an incredible way. How does, how do you think about that every day? Is the whole team just that creative? <laughs> well, it was very simple. You know, we first realized what were the problems in our industry mm -hmm. and in every single industry, there's some serious problems. And for us in the baseball business, to many, it's long, slow, and boring. And so how do we make people think that it's not like a typical baseball game? So we realized the problems and now we said, all right, we need to make it almost like a circus. And because when you think of a circus, you don't think boring, you think nonstop entertainment. So for us, we map the experience from the beginning, which is not when they actually, you know, come to your retail spot or when they come to your, they experience your product. It's when they first buy, it's when they first go to your website. So yes, for us, when they buy, we performed a video and it's congrats, you just made the best decision of your day. Right now, as your tickets came on, an alarm went off. Our entire staff of Bananiacs came and started producing your tickets. Then a Banana Nana, which is our senior citizen dance team, come use, you know, use gloves and perfectly selected out your tickets and put them on a silk pillow and raised them to the air as we sang The Lion King. And now your tickets are in our vault in maximum security. And so we didn't just talk about it, we filmed it. And I think that's part of what we do is we try to map, hey, this is going to be fun. When people watch this, this is the feeling that they'll get. And then we do it with every single step of the way. And that's, I think, what a lot of companies, they talk about mapping the experience, but they don't map the emotions they want their customers to have. And when you think about it, I want shock. I want awe. I want laughter. I want happy tears, which we talk about. When you create that, then that really makes you think about what you have to do to deliver that. And you do that internally too, I see. And and it looks to me like from an outsider, you do that naturally internally. So, uh, so I know one of your uh, employees, one of your team members uh, was a, a big fan of, and I forget the, the band now, but you, you bought him tickets to go see them and, and then like filmed it and shared that too. So internally you do it and then you share that story. So man, you guys are truly making stories everywhere. So <laughs> man, well done. Well, thanks, Dan. I mean, it's simple for us that we decided what our company is and our company is fans first entertainment. Yeah. And we've simplified what we're about. It's our mission is fans first, entertain always. And every decision we make is, is it fans first? That's our entire decision filter. And here's the secret that not many people know. Our biggest fans aren't the guests that come into our ballpark. They are actually the people that show up every single day and work for this team. And they love it. And they wear the merchandise. And they talk about it. And they call their parents. Those are the biggest fans. So how do we just deliver you know, great moments to the people that come to the ballpark? We need to deliver great moments to the people that are there every single day. So yeah, you mentioned Ben, who's our videographer, yeah. diehard Kiss fan, and Kiss's, Kiss's final tour. So of course, the morning he came in, you know, we had the Kiss hair going on, and we surprised him with VIP uh, meet and greet tickets, and you know, front row seats to go to the concert. And you know, we invest in that. If you people, so many people say, oh, I care about our employees. Well, let's see how, what's the money you put into your employees? And not just the money for the, oh, I paid them $50,000. Well, what do you do to create those experiences? 
We've sent our, uh, you know, one of our, our vice president to game one of the World Series with his dad. We just sent our fans first director to go to her bucket list trip to Ireland with her dad and spend a whole week there. Those are expensive trips, but people will remember the moments and the memories they create. They might not necessarily remember, oh, I got a $5,000 raise. Create those moments and that's living our brand. And I think so many people, you talk about stories, so many people talk about their core beliefs and this is my mission. Well, do you have the stories to back that up? Because if you don't have the stories to back that up, your culture is a lot. And so we try every day to create those fans first moments for our people first to build our stories, to build our culture. Very Richard Branson-esque, I feel like, right? Like just, <laughs> yeah. And, and so how, how, do you, how do you, as, as the, the leader of this culture, share those stories without bragging? Right. Like, and, and, and I don't feel like you're bragging. When you're telling me the story about like sending, um, the, sending the, the, the woman to Ireland with her dad, like you're not bragging about, well, this is how much I spent. You're just t- telling a story and it's incredible. How do you balance that? I found it, this is tough to talk about Dan, but I found very few successful people do not self-promote to a degree. And, and what I look at it is I don't look, Ooh, I'm promoting myself, promoting what we're doing. The more we share these stories, the more we talk about the things we're doing, the more it gives permission to other groups and other people to do it as well. Mm-hmm. And if we're not sharing and talking about it, then how will people know, wow, you know, where do you get those examples to do those things for your people? So we think of ourselves as entertainers, but also teachers. And I think every business, the people need to look at themselves as teachers. That's what you're doing on this podcast. That's what we're all doing. So if we do it, but we don't show it and we don't share it and we don't teach it, it doesn't exist. And if it doesn't exist, then we can't help people do it. Because what are we all trying to do? Everyone has one of those deep whys. You know, what's my personal why? And I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek. He's changed my life. But it's very simple for us. If we're fans first and everything, our goal is just to make people happy. And if we're all making people happy, we will be more successful, more productive, and it'll be a better world. It's as simple as that. So we have to share how we're making people happy so more people can make more people happy. Yeah. It's a, it's a contagious effort, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's contagious caring. Yeah. You know, it, it's contagious caring. It creates a ripple effect. All of us need to care more. And you can talk about caring till you're blue in the face, but how do you show it? You know, I think it's really easy when our people know how much we care about them and we love them, that we can challenge them to be better. You know, one of our director of group sales, uh, I'll never forget, his, his father passed away two years ago. And... You know, he's young, 23, 24 years old, and his father died. And there was a hurricane down in in Savannah, and I was up with my wife in Charlotte. And I remember driving down towards the the hurricane. I was the only one going down the highway. Everyone else was going the other way. I was like, what is wrong with this guy? Um, But it was the, the wake for his father. And I remember our whole staff was there, and I went up to Patrick, and I gave him a big hug, and he said, I love you. And I've never had a, a grown man employee, anybody, tell me I lo- they loved me before. But that's what it's about. And now with Patrick, because we have this care with this love, I can challenge him every day. How are you reading? How are you getting better? But you have to start with the caring and the love first before you can do that. So yes, Dan, we went into a whole other tangent again. But I'm passionate about this because I think it's important. If you want to create stories, you have to show it first internally in your culture. Yeah, I, lo- I love the tangents. So keep, keep doing it. Um, so I want to I go back to the beginning for you, Jesse. Where does that title of story maker or storyteller begin for you? When did you know that you had that power and that, and that responsibility to do that as part of your world? 
Well, for us, I mean, it's a, a story of, of lots of failures. I mean, I've shared before, but you know, literally I started as a 23 year old general manager of a team in Gastonia, North Carolina, which was the worst performing team in the country. Uh, there was $268 in the bank account. We had three full-time employees. Payroll was on Friday. The only 200 fans coming to the games. They were, to say they were irrelevant would be an understatement. No one knew who they were. And the only way that we could actually survive is if we started getting people excited about our product. And the only way we could get people excited about our product is if we actually had stories to tell and stories to share. So we changed the business we're in from being a baseball team into being an entertainment company. And every day I said, ooh, what could we do to create a story? Having a grandma beauty pageant at the ballpark would create a story. All right. Having salute to underwear night at the ballpark would create a story. Having flatulence fun night. Having players do choreographed dances every game. Having a dig to China night where we actually buried a certificate and a trip to China in field dirt and had fans after the game dig for this trip to China. And when the woman won, she found a certificate, but it was just a one-way flight to China. There was no flight back and there was no accommodations. We were getting her to China, but we weren't getting her anywhere else. All right. <laughs> creates a story. So part of the whole premise on how do we create stories is we think like a reporter. We always tell ourselves, whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. Reporters don't want to cover the same things everyone else is. So if you're a reporter, is there a story there? So many companies say, oh, I want to get more media attention. Well, what are you doing different that's worthy of a reporter covering you? So that's why we're constantly thinking like, today we have the media coming here because they're covering our auditions. Why would the media be covering our auditions? Because we're having auditions for our male cheerleading team called the Mananas, all right? We're having, you know, we're having auditions for our banana babies before the game and our banana nanas because this isn't your typical auditions for a ballpark. The media cares about that because it's a fun story. So that's what we're always thinking about and it's helping us get more attention and help get more people into our brand. And something you said earlier, mate, this comes to mind right now in this, in this particular part of it, the banana nanas, the, the man nanas, those I have to believe aren't necessarily paid positions, right? Those are volunteers. Yes. They get some uh, great perks. Let's put it that way. Sure. So, so you're bringing people in and you said earlier, you know, making them feel part of the family, making them feel loved, all these things that they don't care about the $50,000 a year or the $5,000 raise. We care about those things, but we don't care about those as much as being known, being needed, being part of the story. Mm. And so you're bringing people in, I notice, to do these things, but you're holding auditions. So you have to have a bunch of people coming in wanting this. So it's incredible to me that you could create that story and get people to buy in and be part of that culture. Um, is that, I think that's important. Yeah. And so is that something that you think about normally, or is that just part of this culture that you've developed? Mm. You know, I wrote a piece about this the other day. We've been so fortunate. And again, for the listeners who don't know, three years ago, my wife and I were sleeping on an airbed. We were down to our last dollar. We were struggling because we couldn't create attention. We've had adversity. It wasn't an overnight success. And you were newlyweds um, too. Like Yeah, oh, we were married in October. We were on, yeah, we were, we were married in October. We were on an airbed within a couple months. So, uh, uh, you know, props to my wife for bearing with me. And we're still married. So, and we have a real bed now. So we've come full circle. Um, but people that don't understand that, like, the challenge is we went through all that and now we have a waiting list in the thousands for tickets and every game sold out. The other day, our single game tickets went on sale and people bought from 34 states. There's people traveling from 20, 30, 40 hours to come to a Savannah Manas game. It's crazy because we're the lowest level of baseball. So I, I thought about this, like, all right, we've created 
a waiting list and a line. People are waiting outside to try to come to our ball games. How do we create that with our company culture and our employees and get employees to do that? And we still haven't done that. We have people that want to be a part of it, but you have to be able to really share um, what makes you different and what, it, what makes it great for them. And so for us, we know that if we could bring joy, happiness, fun, and also educate them, it's a win-win. These people that are banana nanas, that are the mananas, that are part of our pep band, they're coming to have fun with 4,000 people. You know, if you can work your regular job and at night come home and actually be recognized and acknowledged, you know, Dan, you know this, how many times are people not recognized in the workforce? Yeah. Literally, every day you pump all your energy and your effort and rarely you get a thank you. These people, the pep band who plays at the end of the night and, and while fans are leaving, and we have fans dancing and thanking them and high-fiving them. Every single night at our ballpark, they're getting recognized and acknowledged, not only by us, by our thousands of fans. For me, that's something I want to be a part of. That's something we need, and I think that helps create this desire to be a part of it. So it's, it's purposeful and natural both. Um, how many seasons have you sold out now? <laughs> uh, we've sold out uh, 60 straight going into the 2019 season, so that went back into our first season. Uh, we only had five total games that haven't sold out, and that was in our first season. So it's been it's been bananas. It's been wild. It's been bananas. That's absolutely crazy. Um, and so for those uh, who who are li- who are listening but want to see on YouTube, Jesse is truly wearing his yellow tux. Uh, <laughs> man, you you wear it everywhere. I love it. Uh, I think I've seen you out of it in in regular clothes once, and it was shocking. I didn't even recognize you. Um, so yeah, so go go to YouTube and watch that for those listening because Jesse is incredible. And and also go to like, I mean, your, your, did your stuff, your LinkedIn videos always tell a story. Uh, they're inspirational. Do you, how, how, how far in advance do you plan those out? <laughs> I, I wish, I wish it was uh, way, you know, way in advance, but the reality is, uh, I have a plan. I try to post, I post something every single day. Um, you know, I do one minute videos. People are, uh, I try to keep it short. Um, but no, it's, I'm constantly learning. And I think the best teachers are always learning. So every day, because I'm in it, I'm learning something. I'm watching Barry, our director of ticket sales, um, you know, doing one fan a day. And what he does by that is every single day, he's thanking a fan, sending a video, sending a text, sending a letter. I'm watching him doing it. I'm watching how our staff handles thousands of thank you calls to everyone who bought tickets and how it's spread out. And I'm sharing that. So, you know, I think you need to have a constant learning uh, nature to yourself where I'm looking for it. You know, it's the lens, Dan. You know, I think so many people, they need to think about the lens they see the world. For me, I'm constantly seeing the lens in experience, customer experience, entertainment, doing things different, and, you know, our culture. And so that's what I see. You know, for you, if you're selling something, when I used to sell billboards back in the day for our baseball team, every billboard I would notice because I had that lens. So I think it's being very aware of what you're looking for. So when I go to a restaurant, I'll notice things based on the experience. And then that's a new lesson the next day. So uh, I'm constantly looking to share and learn and, and share more stories. Oh, uh, the discipline of awareness. Um, hmm. Mark, Mark Schaefer talked about that. Uh, yes. He's the author of Marketing Rebellion. Yes. He talked about the, that, that discipline, uh, an incredible thing to have and, and to make happen. Um, so yeah, well said. Jesse. Mark, Mark's, Mark's brilliant too. You know, and I think what he's talking about, Marketing Rebellion, the most human company wins. That goes in a little bit of what we're talking so few companies are willing to share their people and their people behind the brand. They're afraid, oh, I don't want our people to get so noticed because our competitors will take them or they'll leave. 
you know what, people are gonna leave businesses if they want or whenever, and it's, and it's happening very, very frequently now. Share your people. And so we're now doing Facebook Lives every day with our staff so they can get to know the people behind the brand. And I think that's what Mark Schaefer talks about. People are buying the people behind the brand, they're not just buying the brand. And loyalty's at an all-time low. But I would argue loyalty to people and relationships is at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. So you as a brand have to look at how do you create that loyalty with your people and not just the leader, everyone on your team. And so everyone on our team has been on camera. When someone leaves, Dan, you'll appreciate this. When someone leaves, we make it the biggest celebration that we could possibly have. Most people, when they leave, they're like, see you later. We actually have the entire staff do handwritten letters and write to the people and we read them out loud. Then we have a plaque with all their, cel- their accomplishments and then we show a video of everything they've been a part of since they joined the staff. And it's easy because everyone's been in video so much for us because we've been showing it that we create this highlight tape and that's how they leave. If you were to show a highlight tape of one of your employees or someone, would you have anything to show? And I think that's something we should start thinking about, creating a video culture and getting the people behind your brand out so your customers can know who they are. I could give you a standing ovation, Jesse, I would right now. I love that. And I I saw one of those videos that you shared and it was incredible, man. Gave me chills. Yeah, inspirational. So I want to talk more about your story, Jesse. Uh, I read in Forbes today, actually, an article came out uh, as we're recording this and how you used to tell stories to your dad and they weren't necessarily true. Um, So if you don't mind sharing a little bit about that, I want to know how your childhood affected your view of stories and connection. Mm. Explore that a little bit. This was hard for me to share um, until recently. And um, I think the challenges and adversity you go through, we're scared. We have ego. We have pride. We don't want to show that, you know, I hate that word. Everyone's saying authentic self, but um, it was recently that I was at um, MMT um, in Utah, a conference, and Philip McKernan was talking. And Philip McKernan, one of the greatest books, a very inspirational, one last talk. And he was speaking and talking about how if you really want to share your true self, your greatest gift lies right next to your greatest wound, your greatest pain. And so many of us aren't in touch with our greatest pain and our greatest wound. We just, you know, gloss right over it. And I sat there in that session and I was like, wow. And I started thinking about the challenges that I had as a kid. And I don't even think about them much. I just, I moved right past them. And just long story short, um, I was an only child. My parents, uh, I was eight years old when my parents got divorced. My mother had a, a serious drug problem and my father had to fight to get custody because back then, the mother always got the child. So my father had to really make a case and luckily he was able to get custody of me. And my dad loved me to death, but he had to work all the time to be able to provide and pay the bills. So I was alone. Um, you know, I remember vividly, my dad would come home from work and we'd go out and play catch and play baseball because that was what I looked forward to, but I was alone. And as an only child with no, um, no brothers, no sisters, uh, nobody in the neighborhood to hang out with, um, I was I, seriously alone. So my dad would come home and ask, how are my days? And I would say, dad, I rode my bike to Alex's house and John's house and Billy's house. He'd go, oh, great, Jesse. But I never rode my bike to any of their houses because I didn't have a lot of friends when I was younger. And many people would say, oh, that's a sad story. It's probably one of the best things that happened to me because what I realized when I was a kid, I didn't have a lot of friends. And I know my dad loved me, but he didn't say it and I didn't, I didn't understand it. So no one was telling me they loved me. So I was fighting for love. I was fighting to make my dad proud. And I was fighting to get attention and fighting to create friends. That's what I did all the time. So now, you know, fast forward to where I am, you know, and I'm putting on a show for 4,000 people every night at the ballpark. 
it brings me such joy to be able to hug people and high five and be a part of something and feel like we're bringing people together and create this attention and this great family. And I wouldn't have had that or had that drive to do that if it wasn't for my childhood. So my greatest pain of being alone, not understanding love, you know, just having my dad and trying to make him proud of me has pushed me to where I am today. And I think it has made me and made our success everything that it is. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and I don't know the answer to this, but I would love to know it. Is your dad still around? Have you guys had that conversation? Oh, yes. Um, I, as soon as I heard that one last talk, I actually was speaking. I was a keynote speaking in Nashville. And the first time on stage in front of hundreds of people, I shared my childhood and how it drove me. And I got the longest standing ovation I've ever received. And I called him the next day and thanked him. I said, thank you, Dad. I love you. And he goes, well, thank you for what? I go, thank you for the, my childhood. Thank you for everything that you brought and what you taught me. And um, my dad is my biggest mentor. He battled two forms of cancer recently, uh, the most positive person in the world. Um, I've learned so much from him and we are unbelievably close and uh, I, I share it all. And so now I'm open to share this publicly because I think it gives people permission to share what their challenges are because the more they share their challenges, the more they can get to their greatest gift and really make an impact and make a difference. So um, I thank Philip McKernan, I thank my dad, um, I thank my mother, as crazy as that is, because uh, you know when you have the best childhood in the world, you may not be driven to make such an impact. And I think that's um, you know what I had and that's where I am right now. I had to wipe away the tears, uh, that was really powerful. <laughs> I, I have daughters that are 13 and 14 and uh, to, to be able to think about that conversation someday that maybe I did something right uh, as a dad. And, and you know, as a dad, like, yeah. wow, powerful. So well, it's interesting because, you know, now I'm loving Maverick to death. And I have, you know, I have a young, young son, uh, almost a year old. And I, every day I'm loving him to death. Like, and I'm like, wow, is this the best thing? Like, he's going to have so much love. He's never going to. So it's, it actually makes you question it. But again, you know, like anything, if you're a company and you have someone in a position that did a bad job at something, you will try to replace that with someone that does a better job at, at that exact thing. So same thing. I didn't maybe get that, you know, love in the touchy physical way. Now I'm giving it and it'll wonder how that influences. But uh, I, like you said it earlier, Dan, it's all about self-awareness. And I think um, going back to your childhood, going back to your root, going back to why you do things, I think that awareness can bring so much um, fulfillment and uh, passion to what you do. Yeah. Well, and, and your experience is positive or negative affected, obviously what you said earlier from your, that you learned, you know, your, your greatest, uh, I, I'm not gonna say it exactly how you did so well, but your, your greatest uh, hurt can be what drives the greatest, you know, healing or whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, but it can also be, you know, that your, your greatest memories can drive you to bring those to other people too. So yeah, it's incredible. I, I love the connection of story. Um, mm -hmm. What do you, what do you find Jesse is one of the biggest challenges that you face as a story maker? What do you, what, what drives you nuts? <laughs> <laughs> it's building that into our culture. And I think, um, I'm constantly thinking about stories. You know, I think everything I do, I think about the experience. I mean, literally I'm trying to bring on a banana boat, you know, those banana boats that you ride on when you're in like Aruba or whatever, I'm trying to figure out how can I bring those and do banana boat rides on land this year. You know, I'm trying to think about how can we hire a high fiver that literally their sole job is to go around the stadium <laughs> high fiving every single person. Every day I'm thinking about these things that can create moments and create stories and getting the entire culture, our entire team 
to think like that. And the reality is I can't because it's proven. We have some people that are creators, some people that are executors and implementers, and some people that are, you know, refiners. But um, for me, the challenge is getting other people to think about how can they create fans first moments and stories every day. And I'll tell you one thing that we do is every Friday, everyone on our team sends an email on something that they did that was fans first and something that they saw someone else on our team do that was fans first. We're building this into our culture because we actually have a profit share based on how fans first are we. What are those stories that we create? And Darren Ross, the CEO of Magic Castle Hotel, so it's a fascinating story. They're in The Power of Moments by Dan and Chip Heath. He says, I incentivize stories and I don't incentivize sales. I want the story. And so for all his people at his hotel, he goes, I want you guys to listen carefully and respond creatively. So listen to what the guests are saying. What, what are they looking, what, they're coming to Hollywood. What are they doing? Do they, are they obsessed with Marilyn Monroe? Are they obsessed with The Rock? Can you listen to that and then provide something in their room that might have Marilyn Monroe or The Rock? Can you listen to how many kids they have and what their kids are interested in? Because I'll get the story. He, he gives cruises away and trips based on stories, not based on sales. If we create a culture like that, the stories will build the sales. Because right now, as you mentioned, it was in Forbes today and you know, if the national media is covering us. They're talking about the stories. They're not talking about, oh, you guys have sold so much revenue and tickets. They're talking about the stories. Yeah. So I think that is so key to build that into your culture, a culture of story. And those stories do pay off. I mean, that's the nice thing is as storytellers, as we're doing, doing this work of storytelling, it, it does pay off. I love what, how Zig Ziglar talks about if you want to get everything in life, you get to help other people get what they want. Yeah. And I feel like it's the same thing in story. It's kind of translates into story. If you tell enough stories, you'll reap the rewards, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys are seeing that, right? Well, well, what happens, you know, when I'm on stage, I'm very intentional. It's about, for me, it's putting on a show and sharing stories. So I'll bring people on stage and do promotions, but in between all those, I'll share a story. Mm -hmm. And because at the end of that speech, it's how you make people feel and how they will act. And the stories are what they can then share. If you have a speaker that just goes up and says, you need to do this, 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 and this, and this. After the speech, they'll say, yeah, I don't know. And they can't share that on. The purpose of a story is so more people can share it because the more people share it, the more the message will get out. So we're intentional on sharing these stories over and over again. And what I believe the real test, Dan, is if you can share stories so much that you have people on your team that weren't there for when the story even happened, but can share the story and says, well, when we were a part of this and they weren't even there. And so that's what I'm trying to do is build the story over and over again. And I, I'll challenge, I bet you most of our staff could share the same stories I share because they've heard it over and over and over again. And great leaders are repeatable. They don't come up with all these crazy ideas every other day. They're saying the same things over and over again. And that's how you build it into your culture. And I try to be repeatable with my stories, my messages, and what they're taking out of each single story. And, and I hear you say that, that being able to do that gives them the permission and also the ability to own the, the greater story, right? You're trying, what, the leader's job is just try to get your people the permission on everything. Permission to have fun. You know, if you don't have fun, if you're not dressed like this crazy idiot like I am, and if you're not coming in and saying, let's play some music, let's high five, let's play some games, let's film each other throwing bananas at each other. If you're not doing that, then your people won't have permission to have fun. If you don't share the certain stories over again, you're not giving your people permission to share those stories. 
So basically, and, and everybody needs permission to an extent. Even if you have the biggest, the strongest ego and the strongest whatever, you need permission. And I think uh, that's what we're doing as leaders. And it's like permission to do this, this, and this. And when you do that every day, then they start becoming a leader themselves. Mm-hmm. And leaders foster more leaders. So well done. 100%. Um, have, so have you seen the banana car? That, that travels the <laughs> yes. country? Tom's reached out to me a bunch on that. Uh, okay. That's, uh, yeah, who owns it? Uh, I think it's in Michigan. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. Can I bring the banana car down? And we haven't been able to work out the, the details <laughs> on that. But uh, no, yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. I'm constantly thinking about how can we involve unique, crazy banana things at the stadium. Uh, yeah. You know, I almost want to create a banana land, kind of like a Disney World where people come and say, because it's what's happening now because of these stories that are spreading. I mean, we had a family from Canada walk in the other day. We just came to Savannah to come to the ballpark. I go, we don't even have a game. They're like, oh, we wanted to see what, what's happening. I'm like, come during a game. And so uh, people are coming in all the time. And, and so we're trying to create those more unique things that they can see and make a tour even better. Absolutely. It's almost like uh, Jay Bear talks about uh, Santa Claus, Indiana, Holiday yes. World and, and Safari Park or whatever. Yeah. Get people to come from all over. Yeah, Jay's fantastic. He's a, he's a fan of yours too. I, yeah. I run into all kinds of fan of yours, man. Um, which, is, <laughs> which is awesome. I'm like, hey, I know that guy. Um, <laughs> it's nice. So, so when, what's your favorite way to tell a story? Is it from the stage? Is it video? What's your favorite way? Hmm. There's, it's different. You know, for us, we started from a video culture here. And so we started creating the stories with videos because the element of a video is you can throw the music in, you can do the dramatic effects, you can have other people telling the story to build one story. You have the visual impact. Um, when I get on stage, I don't have visuals. I'm, I'm there in front of people and sharing and trying to connect with our stories. So both are different. Um, when I'm on stage, and I can see people laughing ridiculously, and then within five minutes, see them crying, there's a real deep connection that when you produce a video, you can't see that. I mean, people will say, oh, you had me crying while watching it, but you can't see it. So I, I think it's a combination of both, and I think every company, every leader should do both. Um, and whether, it, even if they're just starting out, get on a small stage in front of 10 people. Get on a stage in front of your own people, and then start creating videos that show that. So I think both are important. I. Uh, I get excited for both. I mean, I was speaking the other day and, you know, some people, I actually spoke to students, which I usually speak corporate and business, but I was speaking to a group of students and I shared my challenges as a kid because I wanted to connect with them. And I think I wanted to really make them say, hey, I'm in a yellow tuxedo, but hey, I went through challenges just like you. And I had a young girl um, hand me a note and she says, can you just look at this after I leave? And I said, yeah. And the note shared, she's like, I went through these same challenges as a kid. I'm still trying to overcome this. I can't tell you how much your speech inspired me. Thank you so much. And it was just a simple little note on a little scrap piece of paper. You can't feel that with a video. You can feel that in person. And I think so many speakers try to make an impact on every single person they're speaking to. One, if you can just make an impact like that on one person, you've done more than most people will ever do. And so that's when I speak, I look for those few people that I can really connect with. And that makes, that makes a whole the difference in the world for me. Man, I'm not supposed to have this many feels on a Tuesday morning. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Being able to, to, to impact someone like that. Now, hopefully she's able to kind of follow along then too. I mean, just to continue to be inspired. Um, by Take action. Take action. I think yeah. that's the key. If, if you're speaking and you're just inspired, you need to inspire people to take action. And that's where I've tried to, most speeches, I challenge them to write a thank you letter to somebody. 
I go, you don't need to stand out by you know, just like a crazy guy like me. Write one thank you letter. Tell someone that you made an impact. They made an impact in your life. So yeah. I hope they do it. But that, I mean, that's the goal of everything. Right now, you're doing this podcast. Will people take action and start creating more stories? Start telling more stories? Yeah. Because if, if, if we're just talking for talking purposes, what's, what's the purpose? You know, and I think that's what we're trying to do. And when Dan, you get an email from someone and said, wow, this podcast or this podcast that you did with so-and-so inspired me so much. I'm now changing how I do things. What, what matters more? Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. Yeah, it is. That's why we do it. Yep. That's exactly it. So Jesse, how you, you're able to stand out in a crowd in your yellow tux <laughs> and your energy. Uh, but how in this noisy world are we really supposed to get our stories out there if we can't all be quite that unique? <laughs> um, how are we supposed to get our stories out today, man? Well, everyone can be unique. I, I think that's, a, that's, you know, not everyone has to wear a yellow tuxedo, but everyone has something that makes them different. It's their, it's their personal story. You know, whatever they went through is different than someone else. There's obviously things that relate. But I think what we need to do is really think about what's your story? Is it compelling enough that people want to hear it? And if it's not, change your story. What's that next chapter? So I'm constantly thinking about what's new for us. What's unique? How are we reinventing? Because the reality is if you look at just the business cemetery and you look at the blockbusters and the Sears and the circuit cities, and then you name it, it's unbelievable because they didn't reinvent and change their story. And so for us, we've had great success in Savannah. I'm very, very fortunate. But what are we doing new? What's that, those new things that people can talk about? If you're not creating something new, you're boring. And so for us, as tough as that is, that's what I'm thinking about. I've done this. Now what's that next step for me? What's that next book? What's that next speaking tour? How are we changing baseball? How can we take the show on the road? What are those new things happening in our ballpark? How can we make the parking experience unbelievably remarkable? How can we make the buying of a ticket unbelievably remarkable? We map all of that. And so each year we're constantly trying to get a little bit better. And again, I think the key is it's not trying to get better versus your competitors. It's getting better yourself getting better every single day. That's what Tom Brady's talked about his whole career and what he's done. Every day, he just gets a little bit better. And so for us, that's what we're focusing on, but it makes it also you need to reinvent. You need to think of those things. So um, it's a challenging question, but I'll tell you, if you think about what are those things that makes you very unique and then what are those things that you can reinvent and create excitement with, it makes it a lot easier because I'm just still trying to think, how do we make people feel? And that's... I know it's, it's tough to simplify, Dan. It's a tough question, man. Yeah. Well, and, and I think too, I mean, I think I, I still go back to like, okay, so you mentioned Tom Brady, uh, you mentioned, you know, obviously you uh, getting those stories out by being better and improving makes sense. But if I'm thinking I'm kind of a, you know, if, if I go, go to the listener's point of view and think, okay, I'm, I'm a storyteller who's, who's I think telling an interesting story. How do I get people to notice? Hmm. Is it, is it just being, um, as some people say, just doing it every day, just showing up and doing it. Is it connecting with a, a great network that helps promote you? I mean, what's been maybe one thing that you've done that you think, okay, this is where it really kind of started to shift for me. We marketed the team for four months when we came to Savannah hmm. and we sold one ticket. That's when we got the phone call in January and said that we overdrafted our account and we were completely out of money. That's when my wife and I had to sell our, our dream house and get on an airbed because we were marketing the same thing everyone else was marketing. Okay. And that was, we're the new baseball team coming to town. We're, we're just baseball team coming to town. 
It wasn't until we said, we're going to go all in on being the Savannah Bananas, the first team named ever fruit. We were going to have a, a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. We were going to do all a mascot name split. We were going to do all these things unique. We were going to be the first team ever to have every ticket be all you can eat. As soon as we started thinking about what are those things that people will be talking about? As Seth Godin says, remarkable is very simple. Are people willing to remark about it? And so as and Jay Bear says, same is lame. If you're the same as everyone else, there's no story to really be told. So what I would question in saying, what am I doing versus everyone else? Is it the same? And you don't get your inspiration from your competitors. Like for instance, Dan, if you have another person that's listening, that's a podcaster. I wouldn't listen to the other podcasts. I would take inspiration from other entertainment, TV shows, from other live shows. We get our inspiration from cruise lines and Blue Man Group and the circus and WWE is huge for us for inspiration. So I think when you look at that premise of what are you doing that's the same as everyone else and what are you doing that's dramatically different, that makes your story. Your difference makes your story. And that's really tough, Dan, because I think a lot of listeners will say, well, I don't think I'm that much different. Then change your story. <laughs> Find your different. All right? I wasn't always a guy in a yellow tuxedo. We weren't always a team that had all of our tickets, all you can eat, and had breakdancing first base coaches and had a, a male cheerleading team. We weren't always that. But I think one thing that I talk about is, how are you the only? And if you can't answer that question, how is your story going to be shared? Because people want to talk about the only. And I have an acronym for that. And it's, it's own the challenges in your industry. Own those things that people hate. And if you think about your industry, there's plenty of them. Own those so you know how to do the opposite of that. Then N, create noise. That's how you create noise and create attention. Doing the opposite of what everyone else is doing with challenges. And then L, love your customers more than you love your product. We are so focused on our product. What do you do? I'm a podcaster. I'm a marketer. Talk about your people. That's why we say fans first entertainment. We're fans first. That's who we are. And then finally, as we've talked a little bit today, why? It's not what you do. It's not how you do. It's why. Why does it matter that you're doing this? Are you just creating noise and loving or, or are you actually doing something that will make the world a better place? And so when, I fo when we focus on being the only, and changing the same to different, your story can get shared a lot easier. Because as you mentioned, these articles and these media outlets, they're covering us, not because I'm out there going like this all the time, but because our story is dramatically different. And people want to talk about different. So I hope that helps. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's less about the tactics beyond social media, do this, do that, and more <laughs> about your story being the only. So that's a great way to put it. And I'll well, put in the like, show notes that stuff. So I think Steve Martin said it best. It's like, be so good they can't ignore you. If you're really good, if you're great at what you do, people will be talking about it. If you're just a little bit better than your competitor or a little bit cheaper, people won't be talking about that. That's not, that's not special. Yeah. You got to follow your different for sure. As yes, Christopher Lockhead says, yeah. Um, <laughs> awesome, Jesse. So I've, I've got a last question coming up here in just a second, but I want to give everybody listening, uh, uh, both listeners, a, uh, a quick <laughs> how, to, how to find you. Where's the best place? And I'll put links in the show notes, but what do you say is the best place to connect with Jesse Cole? Sure. Well, I post every single day. LinkedIn's my main platform. Um, but find your yellow tux, uh, which you uh, did a, a really nice review on uh, about a year ago when that came out. That shares the path to finding what makes you different. And I really go through the whole journey there. And um, so find your yellow tux website. I've got articles, podcasts. I have my own show, Business Done Differently, um, on season two right now. Had some great guests. We talked about Jay Bear earlier and had Tom Ziegler and some of the people that we've mentioned. But um, yeah, and reach out. You know, I feel uh, I'll always remember when Mark Cuban, 
I read Mark Cuban's book in one sitting and I emailed him. I was 25 years old and he emailed me back within an hour wow. and I was blown away. And you know, when I wrote Simon Sinek a thank you letter, you know, he called me and Ken Blanchard, when I wrote him a thank you, he called me. These relationships have been built, built because people reached out. We're so afraid to reach out to others. I think uh, I challenge people, if something's like, hey, I'm stuck on this, what's the challenge I'm going through? Reach out to me. I'll reply because I've learned from some of the greats. That's the best way to really help and, and form great connections. Excellent, man. I'll put all that in the show notes for us. Um, so Jesse, here's my, here's my big one for you. If, and, and I don't know that it would even be possible because I don't think you could ever stop being a storyteller. But if somebody said to you tomorrow, Jesse, you're done telling stories, find something else to do. What would be your last story you'd want to make sure that would be your exclamation point? This is a great uh, full circle reference to one last talk. Yeah. And one last talk by Philip McKern. And the whole principle is if you could give one last talk before you died, what would it be? And what would you say? And who would you say it to? Um, <laughs> that's, that's a big one because I, I think we're constantly creating stories. So to think of what that one last story would be, <laughs> I almost gave like I, uh, uh, what you do uh, when you finish a show, like tipping on the next one, like we'll see, tune into the next episode. You know, I almost, I almost started to do that as the consummate showman. It's like, uh, it's, it's coming soon. You know, uh, that would be classic. I, yeah, that's what I almost want to say. It's like, uh, you know, I get asked that question. Um, you know, if you could have something on your tombstone, what would it say? And uh, we came up with what's next. <laughs> We're just getting started. Um, so, I can't answer that question. I'm not trying to get a cop out from a political, but I would say it would be a story that would truly share an emotional connection with people. And the stories that I share that are really powerful are the ones that really, really made a difference in, in people's lives. And if I could, I'll share one with you that I, I share commonly. And um, this is powerful for me because it was one of our people creating the story. It wasn't me. And I think if I can help more people create better stories and make a bigger difference, that would be the story that I want to share. And so this one was our first season and everybody who buys tickets, we give a thank you call. And so this one family, this one mother bought, bought eight tickets for an upcoming game. And Barry, who was an intern then, kept calling and he couldn't get in touch with them. And finally, right before, two days before the game, he was able to get in touch with the father. And he said, I'm so sorry, uh, my wife bought those tickets for our seven kids and she just tragically passed away and unexpectedly. And Barry said, oh wow, I'm so sorry. 22 year old intern, he didn't know what to say. And he said, you know, we really, if you're open to it, we'd really like to still entertain and have your, you and your kids come out. And the father said, all right, you know, we'll see. Let me, let me think about it. So Barry comes to me and says, Jesse, what do we do? And one of the great leader advice I've ever received was to always go back and say, uh, what, uh, what do you think? And so a great leader asked the question, what do you think? So I said, what do you think? And Barry, as a 22-year-old intern, said, I don't know. we got to make it special. I go, well, what do you think we should do? And he said, well, what if we present the husband with a jersey with the wife's name and how many years they've been married? And what if we give the kids a VIP experience? And uh, so I immediately uh, I said, let's do it. So the kids showed up, seven kids and the, the father, and we set them up in the front row and we had all the players come up and we delivered the jersey and then we delivered signed bats and signed logo balls and merchandise. And the players on the bananas sat with the kids before the game, just hung out with them. 
The kids ended up staying the entire game, which is unheard of in baseball to stay the whole game. And after the game, the kids stayed and they thanked us. And the father said that was the last gift the mother ever gave the kids. I couldn't imagine a better gift. And that story really builds into what we believe in fans first and how you make people feel. And so uh, I know you're getting emotional and people do when I share this, but what's more powerful than making a difference like that in people's lives? And that is really what we share here all the time. And I think a story like that would be something I want to leave people with. And how incredible do you have an organization that is built on people who can think that, who have, again, the permission and are empowered and encouraged to think that way, Mm -hmm. you know, empathy, creativity, all that. So man, what a great last story. Thank you. And Barry is now our director of tickets and leading our effort and uh, has continues to create stories like that every day. So uh, I'm really proud of him and proud of our whole team for doing that. Jesse, it's been an absolute incredible honor, privilege to have you on board, man. Uh, Thanks for making time to share your story, my friend. Thank you, my friend. So there you have it. Jesse Cole. Thank you so much again, Jesse, for being on the show. Absolutely incredible. You can connect with him at the links in the show notes. As I mentioned, make sure you follow Jesse's social media. He drops inspirational knowledge nuggets every single day. Connect with him on LinkedIn for sure. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone. If you can drive a little inspiration for people to tell better stories through sharing Jesse's story. Absolutely awesome. I appreciate it. Post it to social media, text someone, send it to them uh, in a letter and a thank you note. Thank you for inspiring me. Listen to this podcast, uh, whatever you wanted to share it. Very much appreciated. And drop me a line too. Uh, go to the storytellersnetwork.com, go to the contact page and hit contact Dan. Drop me a note. Uh, let me know what you love about the show or what you want to see. Uh, I'd love to connect with the listeners and see what's going on. So, hey, until next time, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Cheers.